All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. I'm sort of exhausted at this point because I stayed up way too late celebrating an awesome basketball match or basketball game that saw the LA Clippers come back from 31 down to beat the Golden State Warriors, you know, the team that everyone thinks is basically a shoe in for the NBA championship. But this is a soccer cast, so we're here to talk about soccer and we're going to go and do that. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. One, two, Godoy. He's found a great ball in it. Volts in plenty of time. He smashes it off and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas and Volson. Now Segbra sprinting forward on the counterattack. Little handsy there, crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and bearing aside. Well taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal, and it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on Facebook at orange and black soccer cast. How's it going orange County? Welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast. The first and only podcast dedicated to orange County soccer club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things orange County soccer club. And joining me as he does each and every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how's it going? It's going. uh, It's going pretty well. The weather's nice here, and uh, I'm well-rested after sleeping at a normal hour, not celebrating anything that doesn't matter. Oh, come on. Basketball matters, especially. No, uh, it doesn't. It's not soccer, and therefore it doesn't matter. But we always talk about support local. I know it's not soccer, and I know – the Clippers play in LA, but at one point in their history, they played roughly about seven games or so at the Honda Center, what was then known as the Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim. So they're as close to a local basketball team as at least professionally as we have here in Orange County. So I figure I got to celebrate. And it's a 30, you know, coming back from 31 points just is amazing. So uh, you could think whatever you want, Dylan, but it was an amazing, uh, amazing thing to see. Uh, All right. Thrilled for you, buddy. <laughs> and we also have uh, back, as seems always now, we've got Alan, uh, one of the other members of our podcast and our website. Alan, welcome back. Thank you. And congratulations on the win. I caught the very end of it and was blown away by the comeback. And you're talking about the Clipper win, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the other win soon, but the Clipper win for you, the Clipper win. You know, and, and it's it's amazing when you see that because, again, it's one of those things where people were dissing the Clippers for making it into the playoffs and not maybe trying to tank and get a draft pick. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, and the future is bright for them. But, again, this is a soccer podcast, so we will end the Clipper talk, at least for now, maybe towards the end. I'll have to just talk about it again. But we're going to get into the thick of things. Have uh, to. <laughs> there's already no one listening because we talked about him already to start right yep uh, yes and, and i saw you know i think i don't forget who it was on the chat right there uh, was it you alan yes a san diego team that left for la thanks to the wonderful ever popular donald sterling uh, la clippers uh, but let's get into orange county soccer club because that's what we're here to talk about and it was a great 
uh, week for Orange County Soccer Club. When we last left you, uh, you listened to our podcast the day of the game as Orange County hosted Tacoma Defiance. And, um, you know, I think all three of us were hoping for a very good, strong performance in that match and maybe a continuation from what we saw uh, in the match prior to that. And I think, uh, I, I don't think any of us were disappointed. Let me go to you first, uh, Dylan, right? We weren't disappointed in what happened a Wednesday night against Tacoma. I don't know how anyone could be disappointed. It was a really good team showing from everyone. Um, and we utterly dominated that game. I mean, possession passes, that's the same thing, but they, the Tacoma had no real chances. Um, they had no shots on target, which was hilarious, but they couldn't do anything. And the quality of our team was so evident. And I think everyone's starting to finally click and, and work together. And, um, you know, there's a couple little last things that last ball um, up top. They just need to work on that a little bit more, but it's starting to click and it's really apparent. And uh, I think everyone on the team is happy to get another, another victory and a big one at that. It was it was a it was a good it was a good party on a Wednesday. I'll put it that way. I I can believe it. It was amazing. And according to the stat that Dylan shared there, Alan, it means you could have been in in between the post for Orange County, and we still would have come out victorious. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, zero shots on target. Uh, they had that one really big chance early, um, like a free header in the box, and just put it wide. Other than that, like McLean could have just set up like a easy a easy chair out there, a nice iced tea to enjoy his nice Wednesday evening. Uh, it was the first time I got a chance to see OC play in person, uh, and they did not disappoint. I even got a chance to head out over to County Line and hang out with the folks over there and and take in the atmosphere that they were creating. Um, and that was pretty fun too. Shout out to Andy. <laughs> I think everyone loves Andy when it comes to, you know, Cameline Coalition, all that stuff. I know uh, we do here on a podcast here. Yes. Yes. It doesn't have to do with Cameline Coalition. I think he's just a cool dude. He's He has supported Dylan and you, Alan, on this podcast and, and all the stuff we try to do to help support the club. So uh, we appreciate that. I'm glad you got to you know, actually meet him and, and talk with him in person. And, hey, what better way to watch your first Orange County match than, you know, in the press booth up there, uh, doing your thing, uh, getting around the stadium, and, and almost it's almost like you had the VIP experience there for your very first uh, time at the stadium. I, I had the personal tour from Dylan, <laughs> um, kind of showing me around. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a great stadium. Uh, I can't wait to see that area develop and make it kind of a a, a point where people come at, to just to hang out any evening, and then have a soccer match there would be an added bonus for some people but i think once that area kind of builds up i think it's a destination in the irvine area because it's great facilities uh really nice stadium it's uh close you can smell the grass uh it's a great place to watch a soccer match and when they destroy the other team it makes it a lot a lot more fun to watch too Definitely does. And props to the the fans that made it out there. It's a Wednesday evening match in Southern California. Lots of other things going on. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't the hottest ticket in the area, but for those of you that did make it out to the stadium to support your team, uh, props to you. And I, I felt like for a Wednesday uh, match, a Wednesday evening match, it was a decent turnout at the stadium. I know we'll probably, or at least I'll probably get uh, clowned by some of the 
fans from other teams about that. But I, I felt, again, for Wednesday, not a bad turnout. What are your thoughts on that, Dylan? I mean, it was, it was pretty empty, but it's a Wednesday night. People are busy. There's other stuff going on. Baseball started. Hockey playoffs are happening. Basketball I mean, they playoffs. <laughs> yeah, those things happen or whatever. Um, and, and, I mean, let's be real. We have this conversation, like, every week. People just don't care here. It's not a major league. They don't care, and that's fine. And I'm, like, really over the point of trying to argue with people about how it's respectable that we bring, like, 3K to a game or, like, 4K <laughs> to a game. I just whatever if people aren't going to show up people aren't going to show up but like i've and and almost everyone i know has spent so much energy and so much time and so much of their breath on trying to bring people these games and the general public just doesn't care and so oh well but you know it does matter (laughs) the product on the field and the product on the field is freaking awesome so you know we'll take it i'll take it at least i'll take it i'm I'm not going to speak for Alan, but I'm sure Alan will take that too. Uh, let's talk about the game, uh, Dylan. What was uh, what was your biggest take from that from that match? Uh, you know, what's uh, maybe was there any room for any kind of improvement out there from what you saw? Um, yeah, we could be a little more clinical if we're going to be a little bit better. Um, a couple chances went missed, and then um, I was talking with Michael Seaton about this at the end of the game. Just that that final pass to him to to split. Um, the back line is something that needs to get worked on. And that timing will come as they get used to each other. We saw that last year. Um, it took a long time for that to happen, like 10-ish games, I think. And then um, and then after that, he was he was on fire. But he was happy to get his first goal, and I think it was pretty obvious when I was talking to him. Um, I don't know how obvious it was when Alan was talking to him, if he let that go through on the interview, but just having the conversation with him, he was he was pleased. Um, other than that, everyone's playing well. I still don't think we've had the same back line, or maybe this past game was the same. I yeah, think I think this past game was the, the first game. time that we'd had the same back four play. Um, but it works. I I don't know if Leonardo and Walker Hume is the right decision, because I think against a fast team, we might be caught out. Um, but... You know, for most of that game, they did it. Well, I'll say for all of that game, they did a really great job. And then uh, finally, that Brazilian kid's pretty freaking good. (laughs) I mean, wow. He came on, and it was evident that he came on. There wasn't a, oh, this guy's here and nothing's happening. It's clear when he comes on every time. He is quick, and he is lethal in front of the goal. It was... (laughs) It was pretty awesome, and that backflip was pretty awesome, and he was the first player to come over and celebrate and thank us um, over the Cannon Line Collision. So I think he's going to be one of those fan favorite players because that kid is really good. It, it was something to see. So I, I have to like be jotting notes down what Dylan's covering on this because we're go back to you now Alan, and talk about it uh, i do remember though one thing you mentioned dylan is michael seaton finally getting that that goal on the night and i know alan you talked to michael seaton after the match uh, i want to just sort of get your impressions of of basically his mood or anything like that but before you do let's hear exactly uh, how he sounded when he uh, spoke to you about that i fought for that one i fought for that goal 
Yeah, it seemed like it felt like you were like kind of pressing just a little bit, like things weren't quite clicking for you. Like yeah. the ball was going a little wide here, a little wide there. Yeah, like, it's, it's just one of those where I just have to be tuned in. But see, if I wouldn't have like put my head down, I wouldn't have got the opportunity. Yeah. So it's like it's just I'm gonna be frustrated either way, you know. But it's my thing just to keep my head on the swivel and keep playing. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice job, that guys. That's good. The second half, man. Yeah. Exciting to watch again. Yes, Thank you so yeah. much. Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll see you. All right, so that was Michael Seaton. I, I, that was only a part of what uh, he spoke to you about, Alan. But uh, you could hear, you know, in his voice there. And I think, sort of, when he mentioned what what I played right there in the piece was, you were sort of ending your interview with him. You were saying, you know, great job out there. And I think he wanted to like let you know and and basically let our listeners know like how hard he was fighting out there to get that goal uh, on there. What was your impressions just speaking with him after the match? And um, could you feel that passion in him and 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 stuff when you were speaking with him, Alan? Yeah, I could. The other uh, interesting thing he brought up was he felt like the team was already on the right track earlier in the season. Uh, Just things weren't quite clicking. It's like we're doing the right things. It just wasn't coming off. I would probably disagree with him with the El Paso match. But I do think that for most of the season, there was a lot of really positive things to take. And they were just they had they were just believing in themselves and kept doing their and playing their game plan. He wanted to speak to that like, hey, like we knew if we kept going this eventually would happen. And it showed up tonight. We just kept fighting and kept our head up and, and kept, you know, playing the game we wanted to play. And, you know, the past couple of games, we've seen those sparks of really that really exciting Orange County play. And, and you know, with Michael C. out there, I, I think a lot of Orange County fans were hoping for a, a, a nice, strong, quick start for his season. And it's going to come. I, I think part of his success last season was he was playing with Thomas and Boltson. And because Thomas Enavoltson was more of the uh, prolific player towards the beginning of last season, he got the focus towards the end of the season, which allowed Michael Seaton to sort of slip by the radar until it was pretty much too late and he was already on fire. I think this season, coming into this season, Michael Seaton has a target on his back now. Uh, the league knows who he is. The league knows he can score goals. So he's going to have to work that much harder. And I think part of what we're hearing on this also is they have their game plan. They're, they're, they're continuing to play it. I think once it clicks and you get – multiple players on this roster uh, on this this lineup which we're starting to see because we're seeing darwin jones has already been off to a great start seaton got a goal some other players are are constantly out there at least putting pressure on the other team's defense and goalie uh, and, and i'm hoping it'll ov- eventually click for michael seaton on that and he'll get uh the, the, the net will open up a little bit easier for him and he won't have to be working so hard for those goals um let's uh talk about darwin jones uh, you know he's been a topic almost every episode he's been probably the strongest performer so far in the season. He got another goal on the night uh, against Tacoma. Uh, I mean, do you, I'll, I'll start with you, Dylan. Do you see this as a sort of season long thing, or do you think this is maybe a, a quick shot early on and maybe he's going to come back down to earth uh, as the season progresses? Um, I mean, he's, he's a winger naturally. So I don't think he's going to be scoring like two goals constantly um, like per week through the next 28 games or whatever it is but i do think um he is he's obviously really fast um he's really physical and um he's really strong as well we saw him shake off a lot of challenges in that tacoma game he two guys on at one point and won the ball from them i got called back for a foul which was a weird call i think if he stays healthy he's going to be that offensive player that takes a lot of the defense's um, energy and focus off of Michael Seaton. 
and if the two start playing off of each other like we know they're capable of and like they did towards the end of last year it's going to be a really good um i mean entirety of the season i guess i would say he's He's one of those guys that I don't think is necessarily going to be on the score sheet or maybe not even have the assist, but he'll be putting in key passes. He'll be putting in really dangerous runs. He spreads the game out, and then he'll beat the outside back as he cuts in. I mean, he does that multiple times a game, and he's been doing that multiple times over the last almost year that we've been seeing him, and still no one's really been able to manage that. So he's going to keep killing it, I think. And I know, Alan, you spoke with uh, Coach Brayden Cloutier after the match, and he actually mentioned uh, uh, Darwin Jones in the interview and basically sort of discussed that he had spoken with Darwin either during the offseason or when he got signed. Uh, Can you recall any information from that uh, conversation you had with Coach? Yeah, the one term he used was like the spark plug. He's kind of the the thing that wakes Orange County's attack go right now. He feels that. Darwin is maybe not always like they're going to be the goal scorer, but he's like the point that everything kind of starts from like orange County had 19 crosses last game. Six of them were from Darwin Jones. Uh, a lot of those are unsuccessful right now. So I think once they get, once we kind of, he figures that out, it won't, might not be showing up as goals, but it might show up as, you know, a, a key cross or a key cross that gets headed back across goal that's put in. We like to do that apparently. Um, so, yeah, he used the term spark plug, and I think that accurately describes how Darwin Jones is, is, is working in the team right now. And, and you know, talk about that. How dangerous is – I mean, our right side of the field is dangerous throughout this whole season. You have pretty much one of the crossers in your right wing and one of the best crossers for your right fullback there. Uh, both pretty much are going to be playing almost every single match. Uh, so that's something that I, I – I, like you said, as the season progresses and – uh, Kevin Alston, Darwin Jones, just figure out the right place to put those balls for the players on that roster. Um, as the season goes, we're going to probably see more and more uh, easier goals from players like Michael Seaton, maybe Harry Forrester, even uh, uh, Jerry Von Wolfgang on the back post when some of those balls sneak through. Yeah, not to mention Aiden Quinn can put in a pretty good ball from time to time, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was um, – I think Darwin Jones is going to prove um, very – positively and not to get into OKC, but there were some uh, RGV guys who were giving some of those edge guys a little bit of a problem uh, in their last game. And that just gave me way more hope uh, that that's the kind of the point of attack, I think is attack the wings with speed and then cross the balls back in to, uh, you know, your big striker or, um, you know, if you can get one of your midfield guys in there or even set pieces. Now you got those big targets and you got guys who can just pound the ball into the, the center of the box and you're going to get some goals that way. Uh, let's move into the, uh, the super Brazilian kid of uh, Vinicius um, scored his first professional goal, I believe in this match, um, a pretty uh, unusual way to score. I think it went through the goalies legs off of a misplayed ball. Uh, I, I think the big thing everyone was talking about after the goal and uh, was the celebration probably in this early part of the season, the celebration of the year so far, definitely going to be a, a nominee for celebration of the year when we do our second annual Orange and Black Soccer Cast Awards uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, Dylan, did you guys, uh, what did you guys do out there in Cali- in the Caline Coalition area when that celebration occurred on the pitch? I mean, I turned to the guy that was next to me and said some words I can't say on the podcast. It was really awesome. Like, I think everyone was just kind of like, whoa, 
this kid just backflip. One, he just makes the keeper. One time, like, make the keeper. And then two, follows it up with a backflip. It was incredible, and I'm all for that. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say I'm all for that kind of celebrating because it is pretty dangerous. And uh, I think he's going to score a lot of goals, so I don't want to see him doing a lot of backflips. But Maybe just like an extra I mean, celebration for your very first one, but going forward, yeah. maybe play it'll be easier. I mean, he's already a nominee for the, the celebration of the year, so he doesn't have to work hard at that He's going to win it. <laughs> he's he's I, winning the... That's not in the competition this season. Unless, unless the players know that this award is a thing that we do and they're going to now try and top that. Hopefully they don't injure themselves trying to do that. But yeah, I think he's pretty much a shoe in if no one else tries any kind of crazy flips or anything like that. Yeah, so I think... Um, wow, what a game from that. What just... He played so well. And then to cap that off, the whole thing was a great performance. And he's quite the entertainer. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, and you know, you guys were at the stadium. I watched the the stream on ESPN Plus, and, and I sort of like because he got that goal. He ran over towards the the flag, but not quite to the flag. And then he did almost like a you know wait for it or calm down to the fans, like almost like a hold on, and then did his flip. I I it was just such a you know he he set it up perfectly. He did his flip. Uh, you know, it was an awesome thing to see. You know, it's it's definitely something I can't recreate. So sorry, Alan. I I'm not even going to attempt that. Uh, unless you're willing to pay for whatever hospital bills will uh, come from me attempting that. Uh, Alan, uh, has there ever been a time in your life where you would have been able to celebrate a goal like uh, Vinicius did? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, emphatically not a chance. Um, (laughs) I am not much of a jumper, let alone a flipper. um, And I would not have attempted to do any flipping front or back flips from any any height even even though i got like a bonus height i can jump off of something <laughs> my head stays above my feet for as often as possible all right so let's just let's bring this random weird topic i just thought of it right now i want to find out from you guys like what would be your if if you know your first goal as a professional soccer player at least in in the usl or in mls either league in us what would be your first celebration for that first goal what would you what would you do dylan i, I know this is like putting you on the spot you didn't have no prep for this so what would be your celebration I didn't have no prep. Oof, double negatives. Not not a fan, right? Um, uh, whatever. The only way that this would happen is, in my dream, I am the guy who scores the winning goal of the USL Cup for Orange County. And so I celebrate, you know, like in extra time, too. So I celebrate by ripping my shirt, like literally ripping the shirt into pieces and jumping into the CLC. But then once you get like a, you would get like a, a yellow card. I would get sent that. off. Yeah, or, because... Yeah. Yeah, I think you would. Yeah, you're not supposed to leave the field to play and you rip off the shirt. So well worth it. It's like the last seconds of the game. So it's totally fine. (laughs) So you totally pull like a Las Vegas style celebration then. No, because I don't have an emoji. Nothing but like apparently pure passion. Uh, Alan, what about you? Would you do similar? Would you go rip off your shirt and, and do the whole Hulk Hogan thing? No, uh, I've always been partial to like the fan involvement celebrations. It's always the coolest when it's like the team's going nuts and the supporter section are going nuts, like a, a big goal, like everyone on the field and in the stands are just enjoying this glorious moment. And, you know, borrowing maybe like the Lambo leap, if you will, but like without all of the grabbing, but, uh, you know, definitely running over, uh, maybe doing 
as much as athletic prowess as I can manage, like the leap onto the side and stand up in front of the supporter section kind of thing. Uh, that might be fun. Alan's got the right idea for sure. You gotta get, <laughs> you gotta get the fans involved. I would just because, you know, FIFA, the, the video game series, I probably would just do one of the, like those annoying celebrations that, that uh, players tend to do just cause they know it makes you get annoyed. Uh, maybe the one where you just jump down, sit on your butt and just bounce around the, the, the field or something. I don't know. Uh, I the definitely chicken one's pretty good where you just fall onto your side and then you like run sideways like yes. you're a broken toy or whatever. Yes. That's, yes. that's my go-to when I'm playing ultimate team. Or that one where they like bend over with their hands palm down and they're doing like something with their shoulders or something like that. Some weird FIFA thing. Can that... you show us please? We no, need to... no, no, I'm no. not exactly sure which one you're trying to show us. Dylan, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I definitely would not attempt to flip like uh, Vinicius. And let's say this: uh, props to you, Alan, because you actually attempted an interview with Vinicius. I don't know uh, what made you decide to bring your own personal translator to the match or anything like that, but uh, uh, you you got an interview with him. Let's hear what uh, Vinicius had to say through the words of the translator after the match. Me siento muy feliz. I feel very happy. Me. Uh, I've been working really hard every day. Mike, my brother, I saw Mike was alone. I prefer to give a Mike to save the goal. So when I dribbled in and, and I saw Mike in a better situation to score the goal, I'd rather pass to him and, and he finally ended up scoring the goal. So Mike is like my brother for me. I'm so happy. I'm very happy and I just I believe in God that like he got me into success and thanks to Orange County to believe in me. I mean, so that's just awesome to hear. I mean, you could tell the, the, the guy is grateful for the opportunity he got with with Orange County and getting the goal for Orange County and whatnot. So um, props to you, uh, Vinicius, if you're if, if you're able to listen to our podcast, I I guess probably not, but if you're able to, uh, props to you. And if it's any of his teammates listening, tell him we say props to you because that was just an awesome way to score your first goal with Orange County and celebrate it. And, and give your first for coming over afterwards. and giving your first yeah uh, kudos for celebrating with the Caroline Coalition. Kudos for being willing to to speak with Alan and and give a little interview after the match. I mean, totally awesome. So um, I'm wondering. I don't want to get killed by the Duolingo bird. So when are you going to send me to like Portugal or Brazil for a, um, a Portuguese immersion course? So that are, you can... at, are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Should I email uh, HR of the orange and black soccer cast? Cause I think you are HR yes. of the orange and black soccer cast. No, no, you can email HR at orange and black soccer cast and, and I'm sure they'll get back to you. I'll wait for that. Yeah. Sarah. <laughs> uh, or maybe Alan uh, can find a, a, a translator for you to, uh, to teach you I'll, I'll put out i'll put out some fillers see what i can come up with you know what we need to do is we need to get like a nice uh google assistant that we could take to the match and put it into translator mode and that way you can talk back and forth and let them do all the the talking dylan uh we're not yet at that level where we can send you out to portugal and take uh lessons i can't even afford rosetta stone for you so all right come on guys you got to sponsor us so that i can go to portugal and brazil totally for the um immersion and not for any of the other awesome reasons to go to those two countries portugal and brazil i mean you could just, just do and more. or and you don't or. need to do well more. i gotta learn the differences between portugal portuguese portuguese and brazilian portuguese okay 
I guess right, so. so. What are what are we talking about now? Like um, Oklahoma let's, City. Let, well, let's wrap off wrap up talking here about the uh, Tacoma match. Um, let me get your ideas. Uh, man of the match or uh, player of the match for this particular match. I'll go to you, Alan. I'm gonna give it up to Vinicius. I think just the way he played came on in the where I have him uh, came on. I think the 76th minute. And just tore it up. Assist and a goal. I think he was, in a short period of time, probably for me, the player of the game. Perfect. Dylan, what about you? Vinicius. I mean, <laughs> the guy is on the bench for the team of the week. So, And oddly, the only Orange County player included in that designation at all. But well It's all deserved. about the celebration. <laughs> Not really. It's, he did other then stuff. And he but... should be the player of the week then. <laughs> yeah, we were talking before we went live. Like, I was surprised that maybe another player, like maybe uh, Darwin Jones, again wasn't out there. Maybe it's they felt like he was on the previous week and didn't do as much, so maybe they're going to leave him off. I, th- there's always a lot of inconsistencies with what we're seeing from what the USL's lists and all that stuff put, and we'll talk about that probably more as we go on. Uh, for me, I'm going to go outside the box. I'm going to say like the most valuable player, player of the week, or whatever. Just whatever the week for Orange County is the Seattle Sounders, the parent club for Tacoma for, you know, refusing to send any help down to help Tacoma like they did maybe against Sacramento where it was pretty much a, an MLS squad. And in this instance, we had basically the, the Tacoma squad or the young squad. So definitely made uh, the game a lot easier for Orange County. And I'm glad also that Orange County didn't take them for granted, didn't take the win for granted, still went out and got four goals against a team that they should have gotten that type of score sheet on according to the unofficial orange and black soccer cast stat man andy uh, the average age on tacoma was 19.9 years and there were a couple 23 year olds so that should tell you just how young that team was (laughs) and it makes you feel like an old man basically then yes and it makes me laugh when people get angry with me and they're playing it oh god (laughs) that was the highlight of my week but it was it was awesome to see now Orange County's riding a two match winning streak, uh, and hopefully they can continue that. They're going to face a, an Oklahoma City team that uh, I don't know, middle of the road team hasn't been doing so hot. I mean, they're I not doing strong. so hot, not doing so horrible. There's teams that are you know teams that are doing worse, maybe like Hartford, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Phoenix. Phoenix got a win apparently. So Phoenix got a win. They have one win on the season, and they're like top five in the USL championship rankings. We'll get to that. But let's uh, look ahead to this OKC match and you know figure out what we could think. Uh, As always, I don't watch much else other than Orange County. Um, My life's just crazy busy. That's why I'm not doing like a USL show. I do just an Orange County show. So I'm going to defer to maybe Alan and Dylan for any of your vast knowledge of what we can expect in this match, but uh, do either of you guys have any thoughts on OKC and heading into this match? Alan, yeah, by all means. Yeah, I got a couple of things. I watched the second half of their last game against RGV. Um, I'm not sure how many people they sent down, if they sent down any at all to play OKC, uh, but it feels like if you play kind of directly at them, uh, either through the center or through the outside, um, they are not the greatest 
uh, at defending right now. It felt like there were some weaknesses there that can be exploited. Uh, obviously, um, some of the early games, they came out kind of hot. But uh, the guys over at Speedway Soccer uh, do kind of their own, like, ELO ratings. And right now they have OKC falling down to 13th in the West, um, just below LA Galaxy 2. Um, Orange County is at 11th right now. Um, So I think we have a pretty good shot. OKC plays kind of poorly on the road, but does decently at home. Um, So... My fingers will be crossed, but I think we can. There's some things we can exploit um, on the wings and through the center if we just kind of press like we normally do. Um, I think there's some weaknesses there that the offense can exploit. What about you, Dylan? Any thoughts on this match coming into it? Anything that scares you about OKC? Um, yeah, to kind of echo Alan's sentiment, like Daddy Dynamo hasn't been very kind to RGV this year. So um, the fact that that team, Sans Daddy Dynamo's help, can can win against OKC really shows how they've been after the first two weeks of the season. I mean, they started really strong. Um, and I think immediately the USL was like, Oh, look out for Deshaun Brown is the golden, like one of the guys for the golden boot. And I don't think he's scored since And <laughs> they've played horribly since I'll give them credit. They, they did draw late on against Reno, but Reno also, as we know, loves to hand teams points. Um, <laughs> Like they did to they handed us. us points, yeah. Yeah, they handed us points, Great and point, they did it like point. three or four other times. So, um, they haven't played too well lately, and I think that's the biggest issue is that their biggest result, I think, so far this season has actually been the comeback to draw with Reno. And it's hard to say if this team or if Oklahoma really has the quality to bounce back and say, Oh, we're better than this when they go down to an RGV. Um, and, and lose 2-1. I don't think they do have that quality. Um, and I think that our attack is way, way too good for them. So I, I imagine Orange County is probably going to fare pretty well and come out on top of this one. The, the only thing I guess scary about this match is that it is in Oklahoma City. Uh, it's one of the more lengthy travels that a team uh, of Orange County's position in, in the map uh, has to make now, you know, St. Louis used to, I think, be the, the the furthest east team that we had to play. But now that they're in the Eastern Conference, it, it goes down to one of these other teams, maybe in Texas, Oklahoma, or Kansas City. Uh, but that's probably my biggest concern heading to this is that, you know, having to travel a few, you know, two and a half hours or whatever it is, however long it takes to get to Oklahoma City uh, and, and perform. And it's it's not like last season where they went out and did like the the Oklahoma two-step there with playing Tulsa and Oklahoma City in the same week. It's pretty much go out there, play Oklahoma City, then come back for a match back at home. Uh, so that's my biggest concern on this. Like like you both said, Oklahoma City, you know, it's almost, you know, I know it's early on, but it's a tale of two seasons so far. They got off to that great start, but then um, struggling lately, including the most recent match, which was a loss to RGV. Uh, but with the way uh, Orange County's been playing, uh, the hope is that they're going to continue to do what they did against Tacoma, and, and you know, score early. Or not, I mean, they didn't score early against Tacoma, but but put the pressure on, score, and then don't let up and don't allow shots on goal. Hopefully, uh, definitely you're definitely going to at least draw if you don't allow, allow a shot on goal. So that's 
that's an astute observation there, Ray. I'm really proud of you. Um, I guess unless the goalie or someone decided to tap in and, and concede a goal, but there you go. We've never lost against Oklahoma City under Braden Cloutier and in the system that he plays. Um, it's been two close wins, including that that awesome comeback last year uh, in extra time, courtesy of a Noah Powder free kick and Aiden Quinn shot. Um, but like Alan said, if you go at them, I think they struggle. I think that their back line gets really nervous. Um, and I think that our attack is full of guys that love to go one-on-one. We watched Darwin Jones score a goal that's set for goal of the week going one-on-one with a guy. That's how he loves to play. We watch Harry Forrester beat guys one-on-one constantly. We watch Jerry Van Wolfgang do it constantly. We watch Michael Seaton split black back lines, and then it's a one-on-one with the keeper. We can probably manage to uh, to score a couple here, and it'll be just fine. Yeah, I don't think OKC has a clean sheet all season. Uh, they have a negative two goal differential as well. Like they're going to give up some goals if we if we if Orange County can get them early. I think it puts OKC in a bad position. Um, OKC does give some up, so if you get down a goal, you can still fight. I think it's important for Orange County to get one on the board first, kind of set the tone, and I think it'll be Orange County controlling the game if they can get the first one, regardless of how early or late they get the first one. I think OKC's got some trouble because they just give up goals and we saw a really good job from everyone on the team but especially the back four um in the first i would say 30 minutes against tacoma playing well on the ball soaking up the pressure same thing against colorado actually where they they were just content to hold the ball and rather than try and force a pass wait for somebody to open up move the other team around a little bit so if they keep doing that in oklahoma should be just fine so then let's let's ask this question because Tacoma, they pretty much started the same lineup uh, except for Aiden Quinn, I believe, was inserted into the starting lineup uh, over the previous match. Uh, do you see Orange County pretty much going with the same starting 11 or is there any uh, bots where you're seeing maybe a rotation in this match, uh, Dylan? Um, I don't know if Darwin will play. He's played a lot recently. And I don't think it's that he's not capable, but um, whether or not he's just a little tired or banged up from the last few matches, he did get subbed off early um, against Tacoma. And I don't know what was going on, but you could see around 70 minutes in Harry Forrester motioning to the bench to get Darwin subbed off. Um, So I would say maybe the change with the wingers. Um, But I think the back four will probably stay the same it's not a big field or anything they play on turf and then maybe maybe either leonardo um or walker hume gets switched out for uh hugo ariano what about you alan uh do you see any changes or potential changes in the roster or in the starting 11 i mean they played last last wednesday so they're gonna have some time off so i don't know how um the tired legs are going to factor in. I do think, uh, you know, the swapping Darwin Jones for Vinicius, maybe swapping the roles they played where you start Vinicius and then DJ comes in on the 75th minute when they have tired legs and just either gets you the goal you need or breaks the tie or just puts the game away. Um, I do think that back line shout is pretty good. Um, Leonardo and Walker Hume played very well. They kept, uh, they caught Tacoma offside five times. 
Uh, a lot of those were early against Justin Dillon. Um, there was that one free header late, um, but you want to keep that height, but you also want to make sure you got that speed to keep up um, with the OKC attack. I don't see a whole lot of changes. Like I said, that Vinicius Darwin Jones shout's pretty good. Um, and also maybe swapping out one of your center backs. Uh, but I think the more consistency, the better. They preach that a lot about how they feel like they're finally coming together and filling each other out. So you kind of want to ride that wave while you can. Perfect. Uh, and let's go to game predictions or match predictions. Uh, s- score and maybe the key player for the match, Dylan. Uh, 3-1 Orange County. Um, I think Oklahoma will get one on the break because they are a really quick team. So I do think they'll they'll pull one back. I'm going to say that Michael Seaton is going to going to be the the big man for this game. I think that that last little pass to him will finally get worked out and we'll see the the benefits of that. Awesome. What about you, Alan? I was also filling 3-1. I think OK, uh OK can give up some goals. Orange County is rolling on a high. Uh, I'd like to see Harry Forrester finally uh, break through. I think he's been kind of right on the edge, been putting some shots in. Um, I think it's his turn to kind of put one in and start a streak going. And I also think uh, Michael Seaton kind of, as a streaky player, uh, gets another one. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go 4-1 Orange County. Uh, I think they're just primed to keep scoring some goals. Uh, and I hope to see that my, I guess, man of the match or, or whatnot will be Aiden. Um, like to see him to sort of get going and maybe get a couple goals in this match. Goals in the season, but love to see him maybe get a couple goals, get a brace or maybe even a hat trick in here. Um, put together a few. Uh, oh, Aiden Quinn hat trick. That would be awesome. Trust me. Uh, but a brace, I would take a brace and maybe an assist in there. Uh, for the four-one victory uh, in Oklahoma City, so you would yeah. you would list an Aiden Quinn hat trick before an Aiden Quinn assist in this game? Either one, I'm fine with. You know, three. He's going to contribute to three goals, whether it's a hat trick or two goals and an assist, one goal, two assists. However, you want to put that together, he's going to be the key factor in what's going to give us the four goals in this match. Uh, but. The only reason I, I, I sort of changed the last minute because I was going to go with Harry Forrester. I think I've picked him already a couple times this season. I've seen that he's sort of ready for a little bit of a breakout, so I'm hoping um, to see something from him as well because uh, he definitely, at this point, he needs to get a goal in there. So I, I, I'm feeling, you know, we have Darwin Jones has been getting some goals. Michael Seaton, I think, has opened up that goal now, and, and he'll continue to score. I think if we can get Harry Forrester that first goal in the USL, it'll it'll sort of open up the floodgates and he'll, you know, be confident and be able to get some goals in there. So I'd love to see that as well. All he right. <laughs> he seems frustrated. He seems frustrated like he's trying to force it, and that's not helping anything. I mean, well, I mean, man, he's a red card waiting to happen if this keeps going. Well, I mean, like even like two matches ago where he had basically a one-on-one with a goalie and he just kicked it over the, the goalpost. Um, it's that type of thing where I, I think at this point, like you said, he's trying to force it. He's He feels like he should be able to score at this level. And the fact that it hasn't gone in, uh, the longer that goes, it's just going to get him more frustrated. But I think once he can unlock that goal, it'll it'll open things up and we'll see. Because, I mean, talking with people we've talked about with Harry Forrester, Dylan, uh, he's a goal scorer. He can score goals. It's just maybe some other things have, have you know, taken its toll or, or taken away from maybe a, a better career than he could have had at this point. 
but we do know he can score goals. So that's what I want to see out there from him. Um, let's do this. Let's, let's get into some other stuff going on. Um, in Orange County news. What do we have? I know, um, Darwin. Frankie Jones. Amaya. Okay. Let's go to Frankie Amaya first. Go for it, Dylan. Let our listeners know for those that haven't been following social media, uh, what's going on with that. Well, if you don't follow Cincinnati social media, then you won't know what's going on. Well, um, well we were, but... we retweeted the, the article on our site. So if they follow us, they would potentially know what's going on as well. Got it. Um, I love Alan's comment about you looking like you're going to help him get better car insurance with your headset. But number one uh, overall pick of the 2019 MLS draft, number 24, Frankie Amaya. He's born in Santa Ana, went to UCLA for a year. He's only 18. Um, They announced that he'll be joining us on loan or that he's already joined us on loan and probably already trained with the team. So he's not a big player by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's listed at 5'4". Um, I don't know how accurate that is. Maybe he's like 5'7 or something. Or but, maybe he's like 5'2 or something, you know? Yeah, I guess we'll find out when we see him. But uh, obviously he's got some quality. UCLA's men's program is known for being exceptionally good. And um, generally, I think number one overall players are also pretty good. So I think what Cincinnati is recognized is that this guy is good enough, not quite good enough for the MLS yet, but if he's playing regularly, he'll be good enough for the MLS soon. Um, and it makes sense. Send him home. You know, he can live in Santa Ana with his parents or be back at home. And hopefully that provides some sort of a boost. I don't know where he's going to fit in on this team. I think he's going to be competing in an already really deep position against guys like Aiden Quinn and guys like um, Charlie Adams. I don't think he competes necessarily with a Liam Trotter um, just because he's not that physical presence. I don't think he's got the ball playing skills and he won't drop back like Liam Trotter does. But, you know, it's always great to get some more depth um, and who knows where we'll put him. But, I mean, it's not costing the team anything, so why not? And he's another local guy, so it'll probably bring some butts and seats as well. It's kind of a, a win-win situation for Orange County. Well, and, and it's uh, definitely a, a win situation for for um, FC Cincinnati. You're you're sending a player back to his hometown. Uh, you know, chances are he could have maybe been a little homesick out in Cincinnati. It's definitely a lot yeah, different I mean, that than place we have in LA. Suck. They like eat spaghetti <laughs> with chili or something like that. <laughs> yeah, some weird concoction yeah. that they think is like this amazing thing. Uh, but you know, you send him back home. Maybe you know he was a little homesick. Uh, it also shows that FC Cincinnati at least has a little bit of faith in the training that Orange County does because you're not going to want to send him to a team where he probably won't get a lot of playing time uh, if you're not at least comfortable with the training he's going to get there, especially being that he was the number one pick in the in the Super Draft this past year. Uh, so good opportunity on there, and it's good just as Orange County just maybe see you know what potentially might be there. Uh, you know, there were some players, you know, there was a player that was on our squad last year in Mark Segbers that, you know, got an opportunity, then went up to New England, but for whatever reason, New England released him. Uh, and so you never know. I know this is, again, this is the number one pick in the Super Draft, so I don't think uh, a team like FC Cincinnati would give up as quickly. But you're bringing in someone, giving them a chance to to train with a, a quality team and be around family and friends and um, maybe get a, an opportunity here and there which would be awesome. 
Uh, what about you, Alan? What are your thoughts on this uh, this loan? I mean, he's uh, got called up for the U.S. men's national team U20s uh, for the March friendlies. So, I mean, he's not – I mean, he's definitely a player. Um, I'm excited that he gets to wear authentic jerseys now instead of the replicas. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep cut for those of you who have been following MLS soccer. Um, I just think anytime you're adding more depth, is the better. I mean, we've seen the first couple of games – you know, with Aiden Quinn getting without with injuries, like you, you don't know. You just have like a couple bad games, a couple guys go down, and all of a sudden your midfield that has forty people now has like three. So I think it's always great the more depth you can add, especially young young talent uh, that can come on and kind of be that spark plug, be that energy at the end of the game, um, or give your guys a spell. Um, I think anytime you can add those guys, it's good. I think the only frustrating thing is this is probably one of those loans where FC Cincinnati can call them up whenever they feel like it. Uh, I know that sort of frustrated some Orange County fans with like Alex Trinali last year and even Mark Segbers uh, getting called up just randomly, you know, when they're having a good run with Orange County, it sort of sucks. Uh, I understand for the player, that's something you want. You want, you don't want to be stuck. I mean, you're not stuck, but you don't want to be on a USL squad if you're, uh, game has enough quality to be on an MLS squad. So that's the one maybe negative on a loan like this is I'm sure FC Cincinnati can pull them up whenever they feel like it. But I mean, with the depth and stuff, maybe that won't really come into play. It's just a good opportunity. I mean, if nothing else, Orange County is obviously a quality team because Orange County has more playoff wins than FC Cincinnati ever did. So (laughs) they obviously recognize the talent and the quality, not only on the pitch, but with the club staff as well. I mean, and our listeners, I just had to get, I just had to get that in there. I'm sorry. Our listeners probably thought they would never have to hear anything about FC Cincinnati again. And now we're talking about them. Because nah, they're always in like the USL subreddit complaining (laughs) about attendance. Oh, you guys took a big hit because we left. Yeah, whatever. No one cares. <laughs> Go eat your spaghetti and state, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to try. And it has to be like a specific like Cincinnati brand of chili. It can't be like some Hormel or something like that. Some weird, I don't know. You eat Hormel? Thing. That's your go-to chili. No, actually my go-to chili is Tommy's. So. Okay. Yeah. Or the hat. The hat also has some good chili. Yeah, I know you're laughing. I can hear you, Dylan. Um, no, I mean, I brought this upon myself. <laughs> we know you like chili uh, from a certain restaurant. Oh, I don't like it. Actually, my body doesn't like it either. So, I, I think I think we'll have to go there one time and just sort of force feed you some of that chili, Dylan. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about Darwin Jones really quick. Nominee for goal of the week, right? Yes. Yes. Sorry, I was typing. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on his chances of winning that, Dylan? I don't think they're very good. I mean, it's a really great game, but I think everyone kind of knows that no one likes Orange County. No one likes the West Coast. Um, are you saying there's an East Coast bias when it comes to? I would never suggest that, except for either last week or two weeks ago when I said those exact words. Um, (laughs) it was a really good game, or sorry, it was a really good goal. That was a really good game, too. I'll give him that. Um, but I would say much like Aiden Quinn and, and, and Thomas Enneboltson last year with the MVP thing, probably not a huge chance he's going to win. Um, I voted for him on 
more than one device. So, you know, do your part. You cheater, man. You cheater. Oh, you don't even want to know what I did with Aaron's. <laughs> uh, what about you, Alan? Any thought, any uh, shot at Darwin Jones uh, winning that goal of the week? No, currently he's at 8%. Uh, first place is Jose Angulo from Hartford with 40%. Uh, I, I watched Hartford like, needs something. Hartford needs something. So I think right? that's why fans are voting. He scored like a 40 yard screamer. You got to give him that. Right. He's on Sports Center. I, and yet they still can win. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I watched uh, the goals of the goals of the week, and some of them are absolutely just amazing. Like, that's going to happen once or twice the season goals. Um, I would like to believe that we see that same goal from Darwin Jones three, four more times this season. Um, it's a good goal. Uh, it's actually a really great goal, uh, but I don't think it's that holy cow uh I'm going to be yelling in the other room when my wife worries about what, what's happening in the front room, uh, like what happened on Sunday morning goal. Uh, but I, I don't think he has a chance. Uh, there's definitely some strong contenders. Cool. Yeah. It's I, my I, goal I, of the week, Darwin. <laughs> my goal of the week. I think it's it'll win the orange uh, and black soccer cast goal of the week for sure. Um Really just to backtrack there, because I, I went away from the chat on our YouTube page as we're doing this live. We do live broadcast our episodes on YouTube. For those of you that can't wait for it to become a podcast, you can listen to us live when we're doing it. And one of our listeners, uh, Logan, basically made his prediction for the uh, match against OKC. He's predicting 3-0 Orange County. And he thinks the goals will come from Harry Forster, Darwin Jones, and Jerry Von Wolfgang. So that's his thoughts. He's thinking uh, another shutout, which would be awesome. Um. What next? So, any other Orange County or USL news that we want to discuss, gentlemen? Thought I had something. I really did. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. We're going to post this thing later this week. But honestly, John Arlia is out of his freaking mind, and I'm so sick of these power rankings. The next you know, team with one win in the power rankings is in 26th place. Well, well just, let's, let's let's do this, I, okay? Let let let's. Oh do that. my god! It seems like we've now moved on from our weekly, you know, rant at the refs, and now we're into this dislike these power rankings. Just ranting at the league now. So and John Arlia and his like love affair with right Phoenix. I don't understand the league's love affair with teams that are trying to get out of this league. Yeah, because that's what it was with Cincinnati last year, right? Oh, God. It doesn't make any sense to me. Let's get this. Like, we sort of just recently, just now joked about Hartford Athletic and their uh, amazing start to the season, right? I I mean, they're 0-6. They're ranked last in the power rankings. Oh, by the way, they only have one less win than a Phoenix Phoenix Rising FC team that's ranked fourth in the league. But, yeah, you look at some of the power rankings stuff. I mean, look at what happened. Like, Sacramento loses a match, and they drop six down the table they still have a, a respectable record at three two and one definitely more wins than phoenix and they lost to a good team they did I mean, they portland's lost. literally on top of the west right now thanks and to zach kobayashi orange county soccer club alumni but they're only ranked eighth in the power rankings apparently uh, your good friend from the usl doesn't believe that they're as good as the record um, shows them um yeah it, it, it's let's just say it, they, they like phoenix they're... I don't want to do these power rankings anymore. <laughs> I'm so tired of writing about how Phoenix doesn't deserve to be in the top 10. 
Well, then just ignore Phoenix. Just ignore sure. Phoenix. What else am I supposed to write about? The Rowdies can't, like, they're, they're good. We all know that. St. Louis finally lost, maybe? They're um, good at losing. Do you remember the Precky years? Oh, those <laughs> were before you showed. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, what about I you, Alan? Years, year. <laughs> what about you, Alan? What are your thoughts on just anything <laughs> in general in the power rankings? If you really want to go after Phoenix, go for it. Those guys don't like us anyways, the fans of that, that club. Yeah, so we don't really care. So to be slightly fair to Phoenix, their next two matches are Austin and Tacoma, which would put them at seven games played, and they're probably going to win both of those. Definitely going to win Tacoma, unless Seattle sends some folks down. They have a pretty good chance of being Austin, and that point puts them at 13 points with seven games played, which puts them even with New Mexico, uh, Sacramento if they win, puts them above Tulsa and even with Portland. So it's not like Phoenix is bad, but I do think power rankings need to reflect how teams are currently playing. And uh, like I said earlier, the the Speedway uh, soccer guys, they do kind of like an ELO rating. And right now they have Phoenix as seventh in the West, kind of between Real and Tulsa. Uh, So it's a little bit, I think, more accurate as Fresno above Sac Republic. Top four, Portland, New Mexico, Fresno, Sac Republic. Um, I'm going to go with these guys. Like I was hitting up some of the guys at the USL show, and this is the the guys that they use. They basically create a statistical analysis as opposed to, this is how I feel about Phoenix. Uh, so it gives a little bit fairer power rankings. Um, I'm definitely going to use these guys to compare against those USL rankings because some of them are crazy. I agree. <laughs> Um, let's do this. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe page, uh, offering to pay for Seattle to send their players down to Tacoma for that match. We'll pay for their airfare to do it. I think or, they have sponsors, like corporate sponsors for that. So I don't think we need to worry about it. Let, let's, I know we briefly talked about last week, but let's talk about sort of how ridiculous these two teams are that do this type of stuff. Cause even <laughs> the announcers on the Orange County versus Tacoma match were saying that, um, pretty much against Sacramento, it was a full MLS roster. It, it, does something, does the league need to do something about this to maybe control these teams that really aren't showing a desire to consistently win? Or is it something we just have to live with in the USL at least for now? I mean, they should, but they're not going to. If you look at other sports, there's no punishment. I mean, you were talking about a little bit earlier about like people being mad at the Clippers for not tanking. There's no punishment in American sports for tanking. I mean, like maybe if you're a really small side and no one shows up and your team folds, but like an MLS2 team isn't going to fold. There's so much money already up there that, yeah, why be competitive? And you could just like try out a different game plan every week. And, oh, these guys aren't playing on the international break. So why don't you throw them down so they get another 90 minutes? It's it's totally stupid, but they're not going to do anything about it. Um they well, just need to restructure how the league works and kick all of those teams out and <laughs> just be done with it. Yeah, to be fair, uh, Will Bruin, who was one of the guys who was sent down to from Seattle to Tacoma for that Sacramento game, uh, scored a brace against Toronto FC in the MLS on the 13th. So goes down, plays a USL game, scores a goal. I think the only goal, or an important goal, and then comes back up to Seattle and scores two for the MLS side. Um, yeah, he was 
having that guy in the USL, it's like, eh, that's going to skew some win records for Tacoma. Um, maybe something like uh, moving some two teams down to USL League One and then creating some sort of uh, rule like baseball has where you have a certain number of options where you can loan guys down a certain number of times per season. Maybe it's per season. Maybe it's for their career where, you know, you can loan some guys down for playing time like that. But it's, you know, once you're out of options, that guy's got to stay out. Or do something like waivers, like what hockey does. And then, the, you know, this guy, Will Bruin's got a clear waiver waivers if he's going to go play for Tacoma so that every other team in the MLS is like, we'll oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give him a shot. Sure, we'll pay that salary. Well, I think it's like what, what, what you were saying, Alex, like in baseball, I think you could do so many. And then after you do so many, it, it becomes you have to put them on waivers if you want to send them down again, which would maybe make sense. Or I like the idea of maybe just make any loan. It has to be a season long loan or something like that. But of course, that probably like a short term emergency loan, not this like one game loan. Go play 90 minutes and then back get back to wherever you're. It's it sucks for the players, too. I mean, if you think about it, that's like a random night that you probably weren't planning on spending in a hotel room instead of your house. If you're a dude like Will Bruin, I mean, you're in your 30s, probably have a family, probably have a kid or something. Now, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> a lot of these teams get like hours before or the day before. Oh, hey, dude, like if you play for San Jose, oh, hey, dude, you're going to be in Reno tomorrow and tomorrow night or wherever <laughs> Reno's playing. That's so, where I want oh, it to be. Oh, you get to go home from training and tell your wife or your family. Oh, yeah. So, um, can't, can't make it. Uh, gotta go do whatever it is I need to do. God knows where. And then for the teams that are those two teams, you sign a contract with the two team. And then, and then what? This random dude shows up for a game and you've tried really hard in training all week. And then you don't even get to dress for the game because he took your spot. That, yeah. that sucks too. It's a total losing situation for players. And honestly, I think the league as well. No one benefits from this unless you're, I guess, Will Bruin. <laughs> your Will Bruin USL stats benefit. <laughs> Well, and you look at it like, so obviously, you know, what Tacoma did to Sacramento, it benefits us as a team, Orange County, because Sacramento is going to be one of our direct competitors for uh, positioning in the West. So in that sense, yay, I'm glad that happened, you know, let it happen against all the top teams. But it sort of sucks for a team put in that situation where, you know, ultimately when the season comes to an end, that one extra loss can definitely in, impact Sacramento's or any other team that this may happen to their positioning and their playoff seating and potentially losing an extra home match uh, in the playoffs, which, you know, hurts the fans and, and hurts the, the team's revenue because it's one less match they have a chance to make money off of. Uh, all because uh, a team basically that doesn't care is just sending players up and down uh, whenever they want. Um. You know, I think with Orange County, what is we only have the one loanee, right? I mean, everyone else is is a roster player, so it's interesting. Uh, let's do this. Anything else you guys want to discuss before we move on? Uh, happy belated birthday to Giovanni Ramos Godoy. We're gonna make you the official uh, birthday, birthday person of Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We'll uh, we'll take one of those big gigantic cakes to the stadium next next game and next home game and you can be inside it and we'll have you it's the beginning jump of the out season. these guys gotta still be training you know we gotta get them like a protein shake or something no but we're gonna put you inside the cake and you can pop out and say happy birthday but we already said alan's gonna do that he's the new oh, alan's gonna do that okay oh yeah there you go alan that's nothing, your next assignment nothing says happy birthday like a protein shake or you holding a protein Look, shake I asked out for of the cake. socks when holidays whenever they come around so you know 
They're a necessity. No, for sure. I don't disagree with socks. They're a great present. Protein shakes, also a necessity. They're not a necessity. Yeah. If you see Liam Trotter after he gets subbed off, 10 minutes later, he's drinking a protein shake while he's sitting on the bench. You tell me they're not a necessity. Yeah, but you can't put candles on a protein shake. You could, but they would sink in. (laughs) True. And probably also extinguish (laughs) air. This is why we don't have corporate sponsors to pay for my trip to Portugal and or Brazil. Because we start going on random conversations. Yeah, maybe about... we should get like a candle. Does anyone know a candle company? I know there's a lot of candle companies in a small town in Wales. Um, but um... I doubt they listen to us. You don't think <laughs> we can get like, oh, we were going to stop by with the muscle milk protein shake for Godoy's birthday. It could be birthday cake flavored. Dude. Oh man, if this hasn't happened already, we've got a new business idea here. What birthday? I'm sure there's a birthday cake flavored protein shake. They probably have every flavor imaginable. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast presents Birthday Cake Protein Shake. It even rhymes. It's perfect. <laughs> now we got to be like Migos and, and put together a bunch of words about protein shakes. and. You just whatever. say protein shake like repeatedly. You could be like J. Cole. Protein shake. We'll just do a motivate cover of shake. him just saying shake. protein shake. shake. Go for it, Dylan. Show us how it would sound. No, I don't actually know how that song goes. I've <laughs> It's been a while since I've had to play that song at work. All right, let's get into the end of things here. Let's get to our <laughs> random thoughts of the episode. We're going to go with uh, – who do we want to go with first? Anyone want to volunteer? All right, Alan, you go because you want to be the first. All right. Uh, random thought is uh, <laughs> it's baseball season, and I don't know how this happened. But I woke up one morning and the Padres were in first place. <laughs> like, I don't know. They're like it's still a dream. <laughs> right. Like I was like the Padres. And I thought it was like, ah, they're tied. No, no, no. They were like legitimately in first place by a couple of games. It's the only it's the first time it's happened. since I think 2015 or something crazy. And it's probably only going to last for like three more games. So I got to ride this wave where the Padres are still ahead of the Dodgers. What about you, uh, Dylan? Random thought. Um, shout out to the Columbus Blue Jackets for winning their first NHL postseason series, knocking out the President's Trophy winning Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. Handily. It was impressive to watch. Um, other than that, I thought I had something really good for this week. But no, I guess not. I've forgotten. So, oh, you know, I did come up with a Darwin Jones chant. So we'll see if other people like that. And um, what is the chant? No, it's we'll look we'll at. I'm not going to sing the chant by myself. Why not, man? You got to let our fans hear it. I'm not a musician. Um, my literature recommendation for this week is actually a two parter. And we're going back to American literature, jumping about 400 and almost 500 years into the future from last week's um, this week. I'm recommending at the Cadian ball and the storm by Kate Chopin. Um, both really great. And like anything in American literature, if you just think about um, things like race and social class, it's a really easy story to understand and you'll get a lot out of it. So um, I know no one reads these things anyways, but uh, have at Find copies of those things in PDF form on the first page of Google. And I think, Dylan, I'm going to change your official like podcast name to the uh, Alex Trebek of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Because anytime there's a French word, French-sounding word, you go full-on French accent, French pronunciation of whatever 
when you say it. So you're going to be the Alex Trebek of the Orange and Black Soccer cast. Well, I'm really good at Jeopardy, too, so I'll take it. All right, cool. Shout out to um, the guy who's winning Jeopardy. He's like 550K in like six days or something. He's killing it. I haven't watched Jeopardy ever, so I have no idea who you're talking about. Um, Let's do this. I have two things to discuss really quick. First off, and this, Alan, I'm probably going to ask you to help me out with this because uh, I've listened to Sports Talk Radio for, what, 20 something years uh, of my life i used to listen to a station they're still around sort of but it's changed throughout the years extra sports they're now like am 570 dodger radio whatever they called uh but they had a person on the air called lee hacksaw hamilton that i just listened to religiously every day uh, and when that station sort of changed formats i know he went down to san diego he's part of san diego radio uh, there's a sports radio station down in uh san diego that apparently had some sort of dispute with the mexican company that owned their mexican radio towers uh what is it uh the mighty 1090 or something like that right alan i i know he was i know he was on that station for a time being maybe 10 years ago or whatever it was and it's probably a station that i've listened to even up until as recently as a few months ago just randomly when there's only like a like a Dodger and an Angel game on the two sports stations that I listen to here. I'll throw that one on just to get a chance to listen to it. Uh, apparently, they had basically they went off the airwaves and they're all digital as of now. Is is that correct, Alan? That's correct. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden uh, there was like we're not you guys aren't on the air anymore, and they've just been doing their shows on the Money Ten Ninety app and on the Money Ten Ninety website. They're streaming their shows like normal. The guys are going in like normal. It's really good talk, sports talk radio. Um, it's Ben and Woods in the morning, great baseball guys. Darren Smith is like the mid-afternoon guy, and he is loves soccer. They bring up like the Prem. They bring up um, La Liga. They like get into MLS. Like they get into some soccer stuff in the afternoon or mid-afternoon with Darren Smith. Really good dudes. Um, and, yeah, they're broadcasting digitally right now why they try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And props to them for at least finding a way to still do it and be willing. I, I could picture some people be like, dude, we're off the air. We're only doing digital. I'm going elsewhere. You know, I'm out of here. So props to them to con- continue that up. And, and like you said, you know, people that talk about soccer on sports talk radio, that's very rare. I don't think I ever hear much soccer being talked about in uh, on our local sports stations up here in Orange County, LA area, except for, you know, very little conversations. So, um, hopefully something happens there. I know I probably won't get to hear it as much anymore because part of the reason I could tune into them is I'm in South Orange County. They were on one of those super blaster Mexican uh, uh, radio towers. So there was less restrictions on how powerful a signal they could throw out there or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I still can, I guess, listen to them on the stream. Second thing I want to discuss or, or talk about uh, is uh, I got to give props to my son. He played his, he played a soccer game this weekend uh, his team won 2-0. He scored both of the goals. Amazingly off of two awesome passes from his teammates. So the whole team did awesome. But, of course, I'm going to be a father, and I'm going to be excited for him for uh, getting those two goals, two really good goals. And he actually had an opportunity at a hat trick, but his first goal was an awesome save by the other team's goalie. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but props to him for for a great match. And hopefully they'll continue it this week. We actually have a match the day before Easter this uh, Saturday. So uh, we'll see if we can keep that up. Ooh, what time can I go? Can if I you... cheer on your kids the whole time? 
Dylan, you're always welcome to to come out. You never tell me where they are. You say this, and then you never tell me where they are. I will text you, or I'll tell you when we get off the air here the time and location of that uh, of that game. Come on Sweet. out and cheer them on. It's in San San Clemente, so it might be a little bit of drive, but if you're willing to make it, go for it. Um, <laughs> you should bring Alan up if it's that far. So. I know Alan, you could make it up there. Even you're you're not too far away. <laughs> Um, let's do this uh, really quick. Dylan, uh, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow you on social media? Um, OCSC underscore Dylan on both Twitter and Reddit. You can also find us as in the podcast on Reddit at uh, OCSC underscore soccer cast. Um, I probably won't reply if you use that account but that does auto link all of our posts onto the orange county sc subreddit which is another good place to find me and other wonderfully like-minded individuals i think that's it for stuff i am remotely in charge of alan what about you you can find me at a underwood 48 on the twitter machines although right now it's mostly just replays of the most solid goal and um oh yeah brilliant uh and uh the soccer's making the playoffs so if you want to put up with those two things gotta love watching the soccer's play soccer uh you could find me on twitter at dj ray samora um you can also find the orange black soccer cast twitter at ocsc underscore soccer cast you can find us on facebook by searching for orange and black soccer cast um we are part of the beautiful game network bgn.fm is where you can find our show plus many others uh and they also have written stuff if you like written stuff we have it on our website but they also have it on theirs uh so you can check that out you can also follow them on twitter we're going to get the twitter right this time it's at the, the bgn bgn fm at the bgn fm uh, is where you can follow them on twitter they also have their written work or their written twitter page which i think is at bgn written uh and yeah with that i want to thank all of our listeners that continue to listen to us each and every episode we appreciate it if you're listening to us for the very first time feel free to go back and check some previous episodes and listen to what we have to say about orange county soccer plus a bunch of other nonsense that we like to talk about from time to time uh with that said i am ray for the orange black soccer cast and we are out Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. 
We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.